With Hashem's assistance, we are learning in Baba Mitziah, Daf Chavtes, page 29. We begin on the bottom of Chavtes, base page 28b, very last line. We said in the Mishnah that if somebody has found a lost animal, and it comes to the time he has to sell it, so there's an argument in the Mishnah whether or not there's an obligation, or there's an achrayas, a responsibility, if the money gets lost. And basically, it comes down to whether or not you have the ability to use that money. So the Gemara says like this, Ad kan pligi so the only reason that they're arguing, says the Gemara, is because whether or not you have the ability to use the money will determine whether or not you have a benefit, you, the person who has found the lost animal, and you have now sold it. So now if you have the ability to use that money, so then you have a benefit from the money, and therefore in a certain sense it's like you're getting paid. And therefore even if you haven't used the money, you still will have an achrayas, a responsibility. And if anything happens to that money, if it's stolen, if it's lost, so you're going to have the responsibility to replace that. According to Rabbi Tarfin, who holds that you have this ability to use the money. And of course, Rabbi Kiva, you're not. But now, let's say we hadn't gotten to the point where there's an ability to use the money, right? You haven't yet sold the animal. So over here, are you allowed to use the animal? No. You're only allowed to use the animal insofar as using that money to replace whatever the animal is eating. But you can't just stum, use it for yourself, right? So over there, what's the benefit that's possible for you to have from it? So Rashi explains there is a possible benefit, and that is, if let's say you're involved at this moment in trying to return the lost animal. So as long as you're involved, if a poor person would come over to ask for charity, so you would not have to give him that money if it would affect you being able to return the lost object. And the reason is, because we have a general concept that's called, if you're involved in one mitzvah, there's no obligation to do a different mitzvah, a different commandment. Now the question is, will that be enough of a benefit, the fact that you don't have to give that coin, that dollar, let's say to tzedakah, to charity, is that enough of a benefit, that savings, that is considered that you're getting paid, and therefore you'll have an obligation if anything happens to it, if it's lost or stolen? So the indication here is that it's not enough of a benefit for it to be considered that you're getting paid for watching this lost animal, and therefore you're not going to have an obligation if it gets stolen or lost. Only in a case, we've actually taken the animal and sold it. Only there do we talk about the possibility of you having an obligation because now, perhaps, according to Ritarfin, you can use it. But before that point, there is no obligation if it gets stolen or lost. So the Gemara says, Let me to you to the Rav Yasef. This would seem to be a disproof of what Rav Yasef said. The Itmar, it was stated in an Amoritic statement, Shemir Aveda, in regards to somebody who's watching a lost object, Rabba Amar Kishamar Chinam. Rabba says that you only have obligations like a person who's not getting paid to watch an object. Object, because you have no benefit from the fact that you're watching this object. And therefore, the only time you'll have an obligation is if something happens out of negligence. Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef says, no, there is an obligation, even if it's stolen or lost, because it's considered like you're getting paid. Why? Because Rav Yosef holds that since if a poor person will come along and ask for charity, you don't have to give it to him. It will prevent you from returning a lost object. That's called that you saved money. That's called that you have a benefit. And therefore, you're considered like a Shomer Sacher, like someone who's getting paid to watch it, this lost object. And therefore, if it gets stolen or lost, you will still have an obligation, holds Rav Yosef. But our our Mishnah seems to be indicating not that way. Rav Yosef will explain as follows. In regards to if it gets stolen or lost in the Mishnah, in the case of our Mishnah, before you actually sold the animal, let's say, everyone will agree that indeed there is an obligation in such a case, there's a responsibility on the person who's watching the lost animal. You know where the argument comes now that they've sold the animal and the person has rights or doesn't have rights in regards to the money? Whether or not you enter into a different stage, you enter into this, the category of a 
control of a borrower. Because a person who's a borrower, not only is he obligated if it gets stolen or lost, he's even obligated if the animal just dies or if it gets broken. Rabbi Tarfin saw, Rabbi Tarfin holds, surely Now that the sages permitted you to be able to use the money, now you're considered like a borrower, and a borrower has an obligation even if the animal dies or even if it gets broken. So here too, you'll have this added dimension even if there's an onus, even if there's something which is completely out of your control, you're still going to have an obligation. Rabbi Kiva, so Rabbi Kiva holds, that the sages did not permit you to be able to use the money. Therefore, you're not going to be considered a borrower on them, and thus if there's an onus, something which is completely out of your control, you're not going to have an obligation to replace the money. Stigmar says, hold on a second. Ihachi, if that's the correct understanding of the argument between Rabbi Tarf and Rabbi Kiva, we have a problem with the statement of Rabbi Kiva. He said in the Mishnah that since the person cannot use the money, therefore he has no obligation. If we explain it like we originally explained it, which was that the argument between Rabbi Tarf and Rabbi Kiva has to do with whether or not there's an obligation if it was stolen or lost. So we understand why Rabbi Kiva is saying that since you can't use it, therefore if it's lost, there's no obligation on it. Why? Why does it make sense? Because we would have thought to say, that you might think that maybe the fact that I'm saving this dollar for poor person comes to ask me for charity, so that's considered right that I'm getting paid. We can never pay the mechayev, and therefore I would have an obligation if it gets lost or stolen. Kamash malon lefichach, and that's why he's coming to say lefichach that therefore, since you have no ability to use the money, you also will not have an obligation at all, even if it gets stolen or lost, because that dollar is not worth anything. It's not considered that you're getting paid. Hash the amr slish tamish bahen. Now that we're saying that you can't use the money, shemer sacher lehavi is not considered a person who's getting paid. And therefore, there's no obligation if it gets stolen or lost. But if it's going to be like we said in Rav Yasef, that everyone agrees that if it gets stolen or lost, there is an obligation. Everyone agrees to that. And we said that what's the argument according to Rav Yasef between Rabbi Tarf and Rabbi Kiva has to do with whether or not we add on a second level, which is if it, if it died or something happened which was completely out of your control, like a person who borrows, a person who's a borrower, he has an obligation even in such a case. If so, what's the understanding of the statement of therefore, according to Rabbi Kiva, that there's no obligation? This is what it should have said. Rabbi Kiva, I'm Rabbi Kiva says you shouldn't use them. That's it. That's all he should have said. You can't use them. And I would know. Obviously, since you can't use them, he's not considered a borrower, the person who has found this lost object and now can't use the money that he's exchanged the object for. And therefore, he doesn't have any obligation if something happens which is an onus, which was out of his control. So now, why do we need the statement of Lefichach of Rabbi Akiva? It's extra. So our answer is, because of the fact that Rabbi Tarfan had said a statement of therefore, what did Rabbi Tarfan say? He said that since you can use it, therefore you will have an obligation even in the onus, even if something happens which is out of his control. That's why once we're saying it that way in regards to Rabbi Tarfan, so we also say it in Rabbi Akiva as well, because we want to have a parallel between the statements of Rabbi Tarfan and Rabbi Akiva. Sigmar says, why does Rabbi Tarfan's statement need to include a therefore? Meaning, it's obvious if you can use the money clearly, you're going to have an obligation if anything happens to it. If there's an onus, even even if something that's completely out of your control occurs, so Gemara says, "Hachi Gomer." This is what he means. Cave in the shorely rabbanon l'shamushi begavayu. Since the sages permitted him to use it, kimandi eshtamish begavayu dami. Even though he has not yet used the money, it's considered as if he's used the money. V'chayv achiusin, and therefore there's going to be obligation if anything happens to them, even if it's out of his control.
So Gemara says, hold on a second, even in this explanation of Yosef, we have a, a major problem. Because we're saying that according to Rabbi Akiva, what is it that you have no obligation in? You don't have an obligation in an onus. If something happens which is out of his control, but you will have an obligation if it gets lost. That's not what it says in the mission. It says in the mission that according to Rabbi Akiva, since you can't use the money, therefore, if it gets lost, you don't have an obligation. That's exactly the opposite of what Rabbi Yosef says. What's the understanding? So we turn to Dachav Tesem on base page 29b. So we explain like this, that this that we're saying that it's getting lost, it doesn't mean it got lost and it was a little bit out of your control. It was completely out of your control. Kid the Rabbah, it's like Rabbah, the Amar Rabbah, Rabbah says, Nignavu blistim azuyin. When we talk about it being stolen, it's being stolen by armed robbers. Avdu, when we're talking about it getting lost, it's where the ship sank at sea. And therefore, it's completely, completely out of his control. That's a type of Aveda, the type of loss that we're talking about. It's an onus. It's more of a case where the person who's watching it is completely blameless. And therefore, that's what he's saying. He's saying that in such a case, there's no application. But it could be Enachanami, according to Rev. Yosef, the way he will explain Rabbi Kiva, even Rabbi Kiva will agree that if there's an Aveda, if it's lost, in such a way where it's not completely out of his control, then in such a case, there will indeed be an obligation, even though he can't use the money. And the reason is because he's considered a Shemer Sacher, a person who's getting paid. Why? Because if someone will come along and he wants to collect charity, he won't have to give him that dollar if it's going to conflict with him being able to return the lost object. I'm Rabbi Yehuda and Rashmuel. Rabbi Yehuda said in the name of Shmuel, Halach, Rabbi Tarfin, the Halacha, the law, is indeed like Rabbi Tarfin who says that it's permitted for a person to use the money and therefore he's going to have full achrayas, full responsibility for it if anything goes wrong. The Gemara tells us a story that Rechava had some money, diyasmi, that belonged to orphans, meaning there was money that he owed perhaps to their parents, to the father, and now the father died and now there are orphans and he owes that money, but they're not coming to collect it yet. Also, they come to Rabbi Yosef. So Rechava comes in front of Rabbi Yosef, and he says to him, is it permitted for me to use the money as long as they haven't come and asked for the money yet. So he says to him, this is what Rabbi Yehuda said, the halach, the law, is like Rabbi Tarfin. And Rabbi Tarfin says that in regards to a lost object that was sold, it's permitted to use the money. So here too, it would be permitted. So Abayah turns to Rabbi Yehuda and says, was it not stated, furthermore, based on what Rabbi Yehuda said in the name of Shmuel, said in the name of Huna, when did we say that it's permitted to use the money? Only if a person had taken an animal, he had dealt with the animal for a certain amount of time, and then he sold the animal. Since he was involved, he expended a tremendous amount of effort in taking care of this animal. So therefore we say, when you sell the animal, you can use the money, as long as in the end you return the value of the animal. But if let's say the thing that was found was money, so so there you didn't get involved with this lost object so much. The lost object was the money. You set it aside. Light. It will not be permitted for you to use that money. Only in regards to the animal. And this case, where Rechava has this money that he owes to the orphans, so it's like he found money. That was the object that he has to return. And therefore, he will not be able to use the money. So Rav Yosef says to Rechava, I'm sorry, you must go. They're not permitting me to permit it to you. Meaning, it's clear that it's not permitted. We begin the Mishnah. What's a svarim? Let's say you find scrolls. So you should take them out and read from them once every 30 days because that's good for the scroll. It's the upkeep of the scroll. But if the person who's found it does not know how to read, so you should at least unroll them. But if it's the first time you're learning the subject matter, you shouldn't use that book because you're going to end up leaving it open for a long time. It's not good for the book. You also shouldn't read sitting next to someone else because one person will pull it towards him, the other person will pull it towards him, and it'll end up ripping. What's 
What's a ksus? Let's say the thing that was found was a garment or a piece of cloth. Minara echad So you should shake it out once every 30 days, which is good for it. And you're allowed to spread it out in order to benefit the thing so it gets some air. But the person who found it shouldn't use it in order to put out, let's say, if he has guests and he wants to show off this beautiful clothing that he found. So it's inappropriate for him to do it for his own honor. Let's say the object that was found was a silver vessel or a bronze vessel. So what they used to do is they would take these vessels and they would place them into the ground to protect them. However, so, so they don't get decayed, so they would take them out to use them once in a while, so it's permitted to do that as long as it's for the benefit of the thing that was found. But you can't use it if it's going to end up wearing it out. If let's say the thing that was found was a golden vessel or a glass vessel, so you should leave it in the ground, you don't touch it because it's okay, it can stay in the ground, it's not going to get ruined, it's not going to decay. Let's say you found a bag or a box, and anything that's beneath his dignity to carry such a thing, let's say he's an important person, for him to be carrying a sack is not so nice. So there's no obligation for the person who is an important person to pick up an object to try to return it if it's beneath his dignity to pick up such an object. The Gemara is going to explain that we actually learn this out from a verse where we will see that Bezras Hashem with God's help. The Gemara continues. Amar Shmuel, Shmuel says, Let's say you find tefillin in the marketplace. So you take the value of those tefillin and you set the money aside immediately. Masiv Ravina, Ravina asks the following question. It says in the Mishnah that if you find a scroll, what do you do with it? You take it and you open it up every 30 days and you read from it. But if he doesn't know how to read, so you roll them. in. The indication is that what do you do? You have to roll them. We don't say that you can take the value and set it aside. Rabbi explains, to fill in, it's different in regards to tefillin because you can always take the money and it's very easy to find a person who's a scribe who's writing tefillin. In those days, it wasn't so common for people to be writing books and therefore, we don't sell the book and then give the guy the money so he can repurchase another copy of the book because it may not be possible to. We have a b'risa. And this b'risa we're going to say rather quickly. However, the Gemara is going to go through every single stage of the b'risa and explaining it at length. If somebody borrows a Torah scroll from his friend, so it's not permitted to lend it out to anyone else. It's permitted for him to open it and read from it. As long as it's not the first time he's learning from it, because that could ruin it. He's not allowed to have someone else read along with him, and I would assume it's like the Mishnah, because they might end up ripping it. Similarly, if somebody gives his Sefer Torah, his Torah scroll, to someone else to watch, the person who's watching it, so he has to take it out and roll it every 12 months. He opens it up and reads from it. But if he did it for himself, it's forbidden. We'll see again what this means in the Gemara later on. Sumchus Amar, Sumchus says, Bechadash, we're talking about a new scroll, Shloshim Yom. So you do it once every 30 days. Bechadash, Shnei Masar Chodesh. But if we're talking about an old scroll, so it's once every 12 months. Rebbe Lazar ben Yaakov, Rebbe Lazar ben Yaakov says, Whether we're talking about a new one or an old one, you're only going to open it every 12 months. The Gemara continues. Amar Mar, we said previously, If somebody borrows a Torah scroll from his friend, it's not permitted to, send, to lend it out to someone else. The Gemara says, hold on a second. My area Why are we just talking about Torah scrolls? Anything that you borrow, you're not allowed to lend out. The Amar Shim ben Lakish, because Rachel Lakish says, Kanshan Rebbe, here Rebbe stated, The person who borrows is not allowed to lend it out. And similarly, if you're renting something, you're not allowed to sublet it. 
Sefer Torah Trichle. So Gemara says, you know what the truth is? That in regards to a Sefer Torah, Torah scroll, so there's an extra novelty here that we need to specifically say it here. Because you would have thought like this. While it's true that ordinarily you're not allowed to take something that you've borrowed and lend it out to someone else. But that's in regard to a regular item. But here, if you lend it out to someone else, so more people are going to be getting mitzvahs. So the person who has his Sefer Torah, that he lent it to you, he'll be happy that you would lend it out to someone else. So Gemara says, no, Kamash Malan. That's what's coming to teach you that no. The novelty is that it's still forbidden to lend out this object that you've borrowed, the Sefer Torah. And I think it could be the reason is that despite the fact that a person, it's true that he does want other people to do mitzvos with his things. He wants people to do commandments, come closer to God through his things. However, a Sefer Torah, which is a very expensive item, so he wants to be able to check out whoever's borrowing it himself. He's not going to just trust the judgment of whoever has borrowed it from him. The Brisa had continued and said, that you can open it and read from it. The Gemara says, Pshita, obviously. <laughs> Why else are you borrowing it for? The Gemara explains, Actually, we need it for what it says afterwards. That what we're saying is, you can open it and you can read from it, as long as it's not the first time that you're opening it and reading from it. If this is the first time you're learning the subject matter, so then you're going to leave the scroll open too long, and you're going to end up ruining the scroll. The Brisa continues, If let's say one person gives a Torah scroll to another person to watch, the person who's watching it, so he should roll it once every 12 months. Then the Brisa says that he can open it and he can read from it. What are you doing reading it? It's not yours. The guy gave it to you to watch. You're not allowed to use it. You didn't borrow it from him. Additionally, if he did it for himself, it's forbidden. You just said that you can open it up and read from it. Sigmar explains like this, this is what it means. If as he's rolling it, that once every 12 months he decides he wants to read from it, that's fine. But if he opened it up for himself, not for the sake of the Torah scroll itself, so then that's forbidden. If the Sefer Torah, the Torah scroll we're talking about, is a brand new one, so you do it once every 30 days. And Rashi explains that when it's new, so it can decay easier if it's not taken out more often. However, we're talking about an older Torah scroll, so it only needs to be taken out once every 12 months and gone through. Rabbi Lezim Yaakov says, Both of them, you take them out once every 12 months, even if it's a new one. The Gemara says, hold on a second. Rabbi Lezim Yaakov, there's no difference between what what Rabbi Lezben Yaakov is saying, and what the first Tana said. The first Tana said also, both of them, you take them out once every 12 months. Ela'ima, so the Gemara says, it must be that Rabbi Lezben said something different. Rabbi Lezben Yaakov, Yaakov says, that both a brand new one and an old one have to be taken out once every 30 days, not once every 12 months. And Rashi points out that in our Mishnah that it says that we're talking about a Torah scroll, so you take it out once every 30 days, so that's going exactly like what Rabbi Lezben Yaakov says. We said that if it's the first time that you're learning the subject matter, you shouldn't use this scroll to, to learn the subject. And also, you shouldn't have two people that are learning from the same section, because each one is going to try to pull it in his direction, and it's going to end up ripping. I'll bring you a contradiction. So first it says, you're not allowed to learn from it one time and then repeat the learning. You can't learn it and then translate it. You're leaving it open again too long. You shouldn't open it more than three pages at a time. It's not permitted to have three people who are reading from it at the same time. So, the indication here is that it's only a problem if you have three people, but not two. But we said that even two is not permitted. So, Abayah explains as follows. It's not a contradiction. It depends if the two people are in one section, or two sections. If they're in one section, so we're afraid that each one is going to try to get a better view, is going to pull it towards them, they're going to end up ripping. But if they're both looking at different sections of the scroll, so then we're not afraid that one person is going to pull it towards him, and therefore, it's permitted for two people to read from the same scroll.
The Gemara continues. If you find a garment or a piece of cloth, you shake it out once every 30 days. So the Gemara says that this would imply the Nair Malila, that shaking it out is actually good for it. We know that Rabbi Yechanan seemed to say something which is the exact opposite. He says like this, if you have somebody who makes garments inside of your house, so then it's okay for you to shake your garment all the time. Meaning, if you got someone to make you new ones, so then go ahead and shake it. But otherwise, it's not so good for it. Amri, so we say like this, if you're doing it every day, so then that's not good for it. But if you do it once every 30 days, then that will be good for it. Another possible answer, like kosher, it's not a contradiction. Depends if one person is doing the shaking, then it's okay. But if you have two people doing the shaking, so then it might rip, so therefore it's not good. Another possibility, like kosher, it's not a contradiction. Depends if you're doing it by hand or doing it with a stick, because a stick could rip it. Another possibility, like kosher, it's not a contradiction. Depends if we're talking about a woolen garment or a garment that's made out of flax. A woolen garment, so it's not as strong, and therefore, if you're going to shake it out all the time, it's going to get ruined. But if we're talking about linen, so then it's okay if you shake it. Now the Gemara continues with another statement of Rabbi Yechanan that's teaching us a concept of derech eretz, of the ways of the world, as he had already done in regards to that piece of cloth that he said it's not good to shake it too much. Rabbi Yechanan says, It's best not to drink warm waters. In fact, it's better to drink a sorcerer's brew, something that's bewitched. That's better than drinking warm water. That's only true if we're talking about a vessel which is metal. But if we're talking about a vessel which is made of pottery, less than it's no problem. And this is we say that it's not permitted, or it's not healthy. If you drink warm waters in a metal vessel, it's only if the metal vessel had never been boiled. But if it's a metal vessel that had indeed been boiled, less than but it's no problem. And this is we said it's not good to drink, is only if you hadn't put in any kind of herbs. But if there are any kind of herbs inside of the water, then it's okay to drink. Vamar Bjechner, Bjechner shares another tidbit of advice with us. Let's say a person, he inherited a tremendous amount of money from his father who died. And he wants to waste his money very quickly. So he should wear clothes made out of linen. And he should use vessels made of glass. And he should hire workers and not watch over them. They're going to just do whatever they want. So the first thing that we said, if he wants to waste his money, is he should use garments of linen. We're talking about Roman garments. Meaning, we're talking about Italian clothes. And we said that he should use vessels made out of glass. It was this very expensive, high-class white glass. And he should hire workers and not be amongst them. Tirgama explained it as follows. We're talking about workers who you hire to pull your oxen. And Tysus explains that since you're not watching them, so they're not going to make sure that the blades go deep into the ground, and therefore the seeds that you're going to plant subsequently are not going to root well. And therefore there's going to be a tremendous long-term loss.